contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Welcome in, Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum, and it is just Michael Gillum this week. I have thrown Zach and Michael off of the podcast. No, actually, I'm just trying to give them a break. It is the middle of NFL offseason, and there is, frankly, absolutely no Titans news, really no NFL news, not, not a lot of NFL news to discuss, so I have I've, uh, let those guys take a little bit of a break, but I've actually, I've got, I've got a very special guest today making a reappearance for his first time in, in, in probably, what, a couple of years? It's uh, Chad Withrow. Yeah, the last time I did this, uh, we were getting drunk in, uh, I believe it was Zach's base. Was it a basement? <laughs> it was his garage. Was it a, was it a lean-to? What exactly would you call the room that we were in? It was, it was a nice area, but that had to be, what, two or three years ago? It was, definitely, it was definitely two or three years ago. And I'm honored, Michael, that I would be invited on the show when there's absolutely nothing to talk about. That's really quite the honor. It's, it's the dead time of year. That's the perfect time to have me on. I appreciate it. For some reason, I'm sorry about that. My audio was completely no, dying here. But so, yeah, got Chad Withrow on back for the first time um, in a in a. We can of edit years. that out in post. We're definitely <laughs> going to edit that out because that was horrendous. But uh, welcome, and uh, obviously, you have now um, left Midday 180 and are a part of Outkick 360. And uh, what do you think so far? Because it's been a few months. Yeah, it's been good. We recently completed our 53rd show at Outkick 360. It's gone really well so far. I mean, I think the biggest challenge, and I've talked to you about this a little bit, but whenever you move on from something you've been doing for close to a decade and everyone knows exactly where to find you and when, uh, it's, it's difficult to start something new and get the word out about exactly what you're doing. And that's just an everyday climb of you know trying to self-promote which I know annoys people, but you got to do it. Self-promote on social media, get the word out to everyone, and make sure everybody knows that you're back because there's still always someone who comes and say, oh, are, are you, you still doing a show? Are you still you – know, yeah, we've, we've done a show now for you know, about three months. <laughs> it's, it's going really well. So it's getting the word out with it. But, you know, OutKick has been great. Uh, they haven't said no to anything that we've tried. So that part of it's been really cool. And uh, now with – Fox acquiring OutKick, I think that just brings up even more resources that we can have as a show. I know exactly how you feel on a on a smaller level when my parents look at me and say, are, are you still doing your, your podcast? I'm like, well, thanks for listening and the support. <laughs> yes. Oh, for- that's still happening? <laughs> oh, oh good for you, Michael. <laughs> Great job. You and your little buddies get together in your clubhouse and get to talk about your Tennessee Titans. So much fun. It's like Michael off the office continuously asking Jim about, oh, you're still dating Pam? That's a thing? Oh, I, I got a great story for you. So uh, as we record this last night, I, I did a, a trivia event for charity in Murfreesboro. And I've done this in the past. Um, and look, I, I'd say about 60 to 70% of the people there know who I am and know about OutKick or know about the show. Right. But... They pay for these guests, they call them geniuses, which is a very loose interpretation of the word when, when dealing with me. But they pay for you to come and help their team for each round. The first two rounds that I'm on, first group I go to, I'm thinking, oh, this is a group that's probably a fan of OutKick or a fan of the show or listen to our show on the zone or, or whatever it may be. And I'm just sitting there, you know, glad-handing, trying to talk these, these guys and gals up the whole time. 
And uh, we get about halfway through the round, and the guy turns me to me and says, so what is it you do? What, what, why are you here? And you know, Flattering. I, I'm not one to ever be like, do you, you, do you know who I am? But I, I just joked and said, I'm actually homeless. I, I live at this restaurant, and I just showed up, and they allowed me to do this. So uh, that's always fun. But that, that's, just, uh, that's just a part of it. Happy to help any charity out there, though, even those who don't know why they invited me there. I uh, once told a uh, female in a bar that I was uh, trying to hit on that I drove a school bus for a living, and she actually believed me. Nice. And it was after standing there with some buddies, and she said, what do you do? And I said, I drive a school bus. Dead serious. Was she turned on by it? That's the next question. She she kept dancing with me, so she was was not put off by it. So what I'm thinking is uh, she had a very hot school bus driver as a child and had some unresolved issues, and she just worked through them that night. Definitely with, with the faux school bus driver that she was hanging out with. That's definitely a category on OnlyFans. Yeah, for sure. So it's probably going to make millions. I wanted, I was going to start off today by talking about Phil Mickelson's win, but this, but golf has since escalated in 48 hours to Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau and just the forward. We we now completely understand just how much Brooks Kepka is genuinely annoyed by by Bryson and I tweeted out I'm gonna be that guy today but this is good for golf and and I I think it's fantastic for golf to have a rivalry that's out there in the open for for a sport that coming right off the fill win that it's it's frankly it's stale without the involvement of Tiger it's I think I'm right there with you it's it's great and the thing with Tiger it was he was great for the game and it was must watch television but all of his little feuds were all undercover, right? It was all very secretive. It wasn't like so. he was on social media disrupting the brand of Tiger Woods by feuding with a fellow PGA Tour player. And now you've got Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau that are just going back and forth and legitimately don't like each other. It's tough for me to tell with DeChambeau. Kepka legitimately hates Bryson DeChambeau, but with on the other side of it, it's difficult to tell if he's just such an odd guy from everything you read and hear about him. I don't know if he's really mad or he just likes ribbing Kepka and other players and just legitimately you know, gets his enjoyment by doing that. But I'm with you. It's great for the game. Need more personality. Need feuds like this. Phil Mickelson gets to show off his sense of humor. I know he had a funny tweet in response to it saying that you know, he didn't really want to get in the middle of this, but they did request the actual current PGA champion to be a part of the event, so he had to take, uh, take part in it, which is great. Uh, the sniping back and forth now on social media, such a human response from Brooks Kepka, which that sport, I think, thrives when, you know, the, you see the British Open and the guys out there, you know, hacking it around like you would at your local municipal course. And then you see a response from Kepka when DeChambeau walks behind him and says something as he's doing an interview. That's exactly how all of us would respond. If someone we were annoyed by walked past us and did something to break our train of thought. So I, I thought it was great. I think the, the feud is great. I think the more they talk about it and show their disdain for each other is even better for the sport. And I can't wait for the U.S. Open when they pair those guys together because they're missing a huge opportunity if they're not paired together uh, on that Thursday of the U.S. Open. And, and again, the, the sport needs this because whether you like it or not, and, and to back up to something you said this week on, on Outkick 360 about – Tiger Woods watching that with Phil Mickelson coming down 18, the crowds and all that. I mean, it, it, this man is going to nail two-by-fours to the side of his legs if, he, if that's what it takes to get back out on the course. There's no way we're not going to see another Tiger Woods 
Uh, You're going to see like young Forrest right. Gump coming right. out to Augusta <laughs> that can't even bend his legs, but it's just bionic, and he's out there all torso swinging. He's going to have another back issue because he has no legs left to swing a golf club, but he's somehow going to will himself to another Masters championship. Willy Wonka walking up with a cane, and then he <laughs> rolls out of it and flips his hat. So, I mean, but there has to be a future past Tiger. And, and one of the things that really I liked seeing with Phil – was the crowd surrounding him, coming out on the fairway, and then that, that beautiful overhead shot that showed the crowd that was surrounding the green. That's it right there. I mean, that, that's what golf needs, and then this, this Bryson-Brooks thing is perfect for it. Golf, golf needs a little bit of fuel, and the fuel needs to be outward this time. Like you said, Tiger's whole thing was kind of behind the scenes. We need these guys on social media going after each other a little bit. Yeah, and, and it was so unexpected with Phil Mickelson. I mean, right. it just came out of nowhere that he was going to steal the spotlight and bring some energy and uh, vitality to the sport for, you know, a guy who's almost 51 years old. It's funny to be saying that. But for so long, with Tiger, in his absence and in his lull, I think some other great players really failed to take the next step or step into that spotlight. Roy McElroy comes to mind. That's someone that had plenty of opportunities to be bigger and better than they were. Not a huge personality, but it's a name everyone knows. Jordan Spieth looked like he was going to be the must-watch television at every tournament. That's faded uh, from his heyday of you know four or five years ago. Um, and I think Brooks Kepka has got that alpha mindset where he's always going to be in contention at majors because of his mentality, which is great. You pair that with the, the feud uh, with Bryson, I, I think all these things are, are really good for the sport. But it, the problem with golf, and, and this was sort of the Michael Jordan dilemma with the NBA in the early, mid-2000s, as long as you feel like Tiger Woods could still physically at some point play in a golf tournament, there's always going to be the, the, the mystique and the shadow of Tiger Woods hanging over every course. And every time they go out there, that's always going to be the case until he's that, you know, 75-year-old legend that's the ceremonial starter of, of Augusta National one day. And then it's, oh, great, Tiger's back, and he's out here, you know, hitting a golf ball to, to start the tournament. But until then, it's, it's still going to be Tiger's tour. And uh, as we anxiously await the guys that I just mentioned to take the next step and, and draw the attention of everyone. You know, 2009, I went to the Arnold Palmer Invitational in, at uh, Bay Hill in Orlando. Wait, did you have an Arnold Palmer at the Ar Arnold oh, Palmer yes. Invitational? No, better than that, I had an Arnold Palmer with Arnold Palmer. That is hand to God. Really? Yes. I was to say, if you now, the, now I feel silly for asking because it's such a great story. Uh, but I was going to make fun of you because <laughs> I think you would you would just annoy the piss out of someone if you went to this <laughs> turn. Uh, excuse me, can you make me an Arnold Palmer? Oh yes, we've never heard that before, <laughs> sir. Yes. So tell me about having an Arnold Palmer with Arnold Palmer. So uh, the the connection I I will reveal off air or off mic, but. Um, that I, there is a connection there within the family of, with, with the now late Arnold Palmer. Actually, the first thing he offered me was a Newcastle. And uh, the, so it, back in their kind of backyard viewing area that they had right down there on Bay Hill, they had a cooler full of drinks. And one of them was they had Arnold Palmer's. They had, you know, beer and that kind of thing. So he offered me a beer, but I didn't know if I should just be, you know, cracking open pops right there in the back of, you know, this yeah. golf legend that I've just met in front of his entire family. So 
You uh, didn't Taylor Lewan the beer right. from Arnold Palmer and ask him to do the same. <laughs> yeah, this ends with me smashing the 24 ounce can on my head and then asked, you know, being asked to leave. Um, so that was the next. Which thing. then ends with uh, Arnold Palmer fighting you like Bob Barker fought Happy Gilmore and saying the price is wrong, bitch. At the end, when you try to not pay uh, for your Newcastle that he offered you. So that was the next can he offered me. And and trust me, it's something that I remember. There's that moment. And then right after, as we're watching Tiger Woods come down the fairway of 18, they allowed us out on the fairway, much like you saw at uh, the PGA Championship. It was a little more controlled, but we were running towards the green. And the poor security was lined up in front of the green doing this deer What is security going to do in that moment? I, I mean, we could have barreled over. I was watching with my wife, and she was saying, this is such a failure by them. How can they allow this to happen? I'm thinking, if everybody's going to come sprinting in the moment that they take the the the, the curtains, and not the curtains, but uh, the, the guards they right. have up, yeah, and, and the, the rope, and start moving it in, I mean, it's impossible to control a crowd like that, which I, I thought was awesome to see. Anyways, continue. No, so it was um, – and, and this year, and it was really hard to see on TV, but it, the uh, match had been delayed by some rain, so it was extremely dark as they're coming up to the green. I mean, it, the sun was at the horizon when they're getting ready to hit this last putt. Tiger Woods is playing against Sean O'Hare, has a beautiful shot, hits it up on the 18th. The 18th green is kind of shaped like a crescent moon, and it's, it's kind of downhill, very, very tough putt. As we're running at security, this guy next to me who's running next to me grabs this, crump of gl- this, this clump of grass, and he's holding it, and somebody asks, is that Tiger Woods' divot? And he goes, I don't give a damn. I'm going to tell everybody it is. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope this man packed this in his suitcase and took it home. But he, I'll never forget him cheering and waving and holding this. It looked like he had a toupee of grass and was swinging it around. But I'll never forget that. And that, that's one of those unique moments of golf that – Golf needs to be able to get that back post-Phil, post-Tiger. So I like to see this rivalry a little bit. You know, get the fans involved and, and give give us more moments like that, right? Yeah, it's – um, and that's a great story, by the way, the guy with the, 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 the tiger. Around. I'm doing air quotes, the Tiger Woods divot. Yeah, I hope it was, but he was waving it like a toupee. And who knows, but it doesn't matter because if he says that and everyone believes it, then that's what it is. Um, you know, golf – and we had this discussion on, on Outkick 360 – about and I think Hutton said something like I was always rooting against Phil and rooting for Tiger and now I'm rooting for Phil in this tournament and I'm thinking you know I never rooted against Phil because I always wanted Phil in contention right I always wanted now if it was Tiger Phil head to head I was always going to go with Tiger Woods yeah, yeah because that's the guy I wanted to win every tournament every tournament he's in I want Tiger Woods to win just the way that's been my golf viewing experience since I've been old enough to watch golf and get into it was wanting Tiger Woods to win tournaments. But I'm for the stars and the names I know being on the leaderboard on Sunday. It's very simple for me. I don't want no names to be at the top of the leaderboard. My dad will watch all four rounds of every golf tournament. He's not even a golfer. It's, a, it's remarkable. Everyone you think that watches golf that obsessively is a big golfer. He's not a big golfer. He loves to watch golf. Watches Thursday on Golf Channel, Friday Golf Channel, and then he'll watch Saturday and Sunday on whatever network it's on, which is incredible. But he doesn't care. He's going to watch no matter what. If it's the first-time winner, if it's the young kid no one's heard of, if it's you know, the golfer from South Africa, uh, it doesn't matter. He's going to be rooting for golf and watching it. But for the rest of us that want star power, we're rooting for the stars to be up there on the leaderboard. Now, clearly I was rooting for Phil Mickelson, both with my heart and my pocketbook, on Sunday because I happened to place a $3 flyer on Phil Mickelson that paid off over $800 uh, for me. So I was watching for both, and uh, it was very intense 
the watching of that tournament. But, uh, no, that's – I mean, star power is what makes it fun. It is what makes it fun. I had to look up who Tiger Woods was playing in the 2009, you know, Bale Invitational to be able to tell that story accurately. It was Sean O'Hare. I I don't remember that. I remember the dejected look on his face as the crowd is screaming Tiger Woods' name like it's the Beatles coming down the 18th fairway. Yeah. And and just – he just looked – I mean, I don't want to say he looked dejected. He was bothered by it, though. I mean, look at Brooks Kepka. The guy's won four majors, and he's getting uh, trampled on. Like, you know, he's uh, Joe Blow from Hilton Head. That came down for the weekend to Kiowa Island for the tournament, and he's just stuck in the middle of this horde of people, and uh, can barely get out without you know security's help. He didn't do the tip of the cap to the crowd. He didn't acknowledge the crowd after he tapped, and I don't blame him. Right. I mean, you're getting cheered against all day, and then you get stuck in that crowd. I mean, I would be a little frustrated also, especially knowing after one hole you had the lead, you know, the start of the day with the the two stroke swing, and then you never got it back the rest of the day. But uh, man, it was fun to watch. Yeah, and so um, let me take this moment to to, uh, to call out our, our our glorious host today, Gumbo Brothers. We're down here on 12th Avenue. Um, I am definitely going to be having a bowl of gumbo before I leave. This is a cool setup here. This is a very cool this setup. This is not the gulch of our youth, no. Michael. Uh, this is not the Bar 23 gulch uh, that I, I recall back in the day when, you know, it was an industrial area that eventually was going to be on the, on the rise. And now, I, every time I come down here, I see a different business, and uh, this is one of them, and uh, I, I really like this place. This is a cool spot. The Gulch in the late 90s is where you came for a good stabbing. Yes. <laughs> not just a stabbing, a good stabbing. You know, I'm not talking about this little game of, uh, of, of tickle with a stab. It was, it was a full, hearty stabbing that you would get when you came down to the Gulch. I remember Bar 23. This was probably 2004. And this is right when I graduated college and moved back and lived in 12 South in a huge house, huge old house on 12 South with, with five roommates, buddies from college, buddies from, from high school. And we'd go to Bar 23, and I remember me and my buddy saying, man, it's like we're in L.A., right? This is like such a Los Angeles feel. It's like we're in L.A. or Manhattan. And I'm thinking back now at 2004 Nashville and looking around the gulch at that point where you stepped out and you could have been stabbed the moment you stepped out of the old Bar 23 location and what the gulch is now and just laugh at thinking it was L.A. in 2004 because it legitimately is, you know, a city like L.A. or New York in a lot of ways now. I mean, what did I tell you the other day that I, I forgot how the question came out, but somebody was asking me about 12 South. Oh, I was telling some coworkers about it. They're like, oh, this is awesome. What, what a great area. And I was like, in high school, this was a place to come get crack, not Coke, crack. <laughs> That's when you know it's a good area. Right. It's not it's not the designer drug. It's not the in cocaine <laughs> form. It's you actually go. Somewhere it needs to, to be crack. a yellow rock. I mean, that's but in our youth, that's how we described areas. It's either a cocaine or a crack part of town. And uh, 12 South was uh, was certainly that it, it's not that now. Uh, and, and that's that's to be said for most spots in Nashville. So I want to I kind of want to switch topics a little bit. And, and one of this came off of a tweet I was reading by. West Bowling, and he was responding to, to, to Buck Rising off, off of 104.5. So, essentially, the, the gist of the tweet was <clears throat> Wes was disagreeing with um, Buck's questioning of uh, soccer, uh, the National Soccer Club being undefeated, and essentially that local media has almost a responsibility to increase the awareness and give a voice to an up-and-coming sport. Is that 
is that your responsibility at Outkick 360? Is that the responsibility of a radio host to help build a brand of a of a building sport? No, it's not. And I say it for this reason because I think what we do now online and eventually with a radio network is is slightly different than our jobs when we were at the zone uh, because we don't have we don't have team relationships. I say that to say we don't have a business relationship where we're airing a team's games. So it's a little bit different. You know, when you're the flagship, we didn't get a lot of blowback from, you know, teams about things we said. Occasionally we would, and, and those are stories that we've told and we'll continue to tell. But it's just it's a different feeling when you have bosses that would come and say, hey, we really need to plug this event, or hey, we need a presence down at this event. We're never – getting that sort of direction at OutKick and OutKick 360, which I love because then we get to decide, hey, this is a big event. This is something I want to be a part of, so, so let's go and do it. So to answer the question, it's a long way to say I don't think it has to be part of the job. Um, I saw the question on Twitter. I think it's a fair question. I think it's a fair sports radio topic. I, I think the bigger issue is that soccer fans are just really damn annoying and uh, I think that the way yes. they treat questions like that is just overly annoying. It, it's, uh, it's like the really expensive coffee crowd, you know, or the really expensive beer crowd that, well, if you don't know why this is so much better, then I can't help you. You know, it's that sort of thing. It's the, the clowny crowd. If you don't see the impact of clowny, even without the sacks, then I, I can't explain football to you. I can't explain why soccer is so important and it's the world sport and why having an MLS team in Nashville is important if, if you don't know it. I, I think that the early Preds had a lot of that. People that went to the arena were just annoying and didn't make you want to go back because they were too busy, you know, uh, making you try to feel like – trying to make you feel like an idiot because you didn't know every, every idiosyncrasy of, of the game of hockey. So soccer's got a little bit of that. And I mean, look, I, I think – it is NSC now, right? It's not NFC. Okay, yeah, I always get that confused. It was NFC, now it's NSC. Come on, damn it. This is your responsibility. Uh, yeah, I don't think that, you know, NSC is, is you know, right above the sounds. I mean, it's just in terms of the major sports players in town, you know, it's, it's down the list. Um, can it rise in the next five to ten years? Sure. I mean, I think soccer as just a sports demographic is still on the rise. So I think that it will. It's just – this is me personally talking now. It's difficult for me to get overly excited about the seventh or eighth best league in the world. That, that's where the MLS is going to, and this is nothing that Nashville SC has done and not their fault because they can only play in the league that's in their country. But that's where they fail to really capture me is that I know there are a lot better products out there with soccer than what you're seeing in the MLS. So, and, and hear me out. Soccer fan that's listening to this, if you have stumbled upon this podcast, it's football and other words. It has only been discussing golf and now soccer. Yes. So welcome in. Right. But I really well, football. I mean, that's yeah, an F there word, you go. Right? See, it's absolutely an F welcome word. into football and other F words. So in this edition. I, I really honestly think NSC should do what early Predators did and what a lot of hockey fans still mock Predators fans for this day. Handing out flyers, printing in the newspaper the rules of the damn game kind of explaining that a draw is actually okay and not a failure. I mean, I was listening to – I listen to as much sports radio as I can across all the spectrums in Nashville, and all week what I've heard about 
national soccer is callers calling in and bemoaning the fact that it was a draw and you're calling this team undefeated because it's a draw. National soccer needs to do a good job of, uh, look, if it takes literally printing flyers and handing them out to fans as they come in, yeah, nine out of 10 soccer fans are going to be like, I don't need this trash. I already know this. But the new person that's coming to the game that grabbed tickets on the cheap or whatever it is, make them feel included. And if that means you've got to make regular soccer fan feel stupid to do it, so be it. I mean, that's how the Predators became successful in building a hockey brand over the years. I think the question that I would ask based on what you're saying is, if you're having to explain the rules of the game to someone or, do, or go to those extremes in 2021 as opposed to 1998, let's say, when the Preds came to town, uh, have you already lost? Fair city? enough. Right? I mean, that's, I, I don't know that that's a, that's a great way to start if you're a, a pro soccer team in town. Um, and, and, you know, Nashville loves a winner just like every city loves a winner. And it becomes – it gets old to hear that oftentimes. Winning will help. But touting undefeated when you've won two games out of six, that's where the common American sports fan yes. gets really pissed off. Whether it, it soccer ruffles, fan likes it or not. Feathers. Yes. And uh, I have this argument with Paul all the time. And, look, I'm in – I like Europe, right, <laughs> as, as much as the next guy. <laughs> I, I do have some European sensibilities. About I, like me, like threw, else. I like how you threw that out there like you're getting ready to just take a huge crap all yeah. over Lithuania or yeah, something. but you're welcome for saving you in World War II, you Europeans. <laughs> we'll come over there and handle it again, damn right. it. Yeah, you, well, we need to straighten some stuff out. We'll, we'll end the ties pretty damn quick when the Americans come over there. But uh, there is an American uh, – there's the American sports fan in me and just the American in general that uh, it, it's, it's difficult – to go gung-ho about ties, about this right. is a good result. Right. Well, you didn't win, so it's not a good result. Right. I, I just – it's tough to get around that. And, and someone's going to hear this and say, well, you're an ugly American and, and whatever. That, that's who we are as an American people. And it's, it, it's hard to just separate that when you go into one sport and then the other – and uh, I'm watching the, the Formula One thing on Netflix, The Drive to Survive. That's a, great. an amazing show. Yeah, and I, I love, like, the different uh, European countries represented and the personalities and everything else. But you know what they have in those races? A winner. Yes. <laughs> Every single time there's a winner. And the soccer fan is going to hate this, but that really bothers a lot of uh, American sports fans. It's never going to change with that. No, and that's and I'm, it's funny you say that. I'm glad you brought up F1 because I was going to pivot to that. But that's a great example. Can you imagine watching an F1 race? It starts pouring down rain. And I know they're racing in the rain. But if it starts pouring down raining, they just pull the cars off the track and go, that's it, folks. There's Everyone actually not ties. a winner today. Yeah, that's a great result for all of you. You all finished 10th today. Every- there are 20 drivers out here. You're all going to finish 10th today. Great result, everyone. Now go home. Great day's work. They crowd everyone up on the number one on the podium. Yeah, like them so- all fire champagne. Soccer's hard, right? It's right, difficult. Of course. Like there's, there's, I'm not the fan. Oh, it's not that hard. No, it's very difficult. I, I get the complexities of the sport and how physically demanding it is to play. And I don't think that there are a bunch of weaklings out there playing soccer or anything like that. But to have that many ties is weak. I'm sorry. It's just, it is. To have a sport where you can have that happen. It's it's very weak. I can I can literally hear the entire soccer side of Broadway sports just packing up and leaving right now. Well, what else are we going to talk yeah, about? And, and I didn't mean uh, to turn this into like bashing we go to soccer. Next? What, yeah. what else do you want to talk about? We talked Formula One. 
soccer. That golf. lawn bowling's a pile of shit. This is going to be the one F-Words podcast, which I am a fan of, by the way, that uh, football is not discussed. Actually, I am going to make you talk football. Got any tonight. Titans questions for <laughs> yeah, me? No, it's, <laughs> I actually, I contemplate. Up next, Polo. <laughs> I contemplated make, making you break down everything Titans from, uh, from uh, OTAs and rookie camp, but uh, I'm not going to do that to you. One quick rant on, on the Titans now, and that I think you're seeing this because you are a, a sports media connoisseur uh, in Nashville. And, and our show now is a little bit of both. It's sort of a, a regional, semi-national show, but it's also still a Nashville-based, Tennessee-based show. And the more I sort of look at it, not from the outside because I'm still on the inside with, with the Tennessee Power Hour we do and everything else, but – there's these, you know, you talk about the haves and have-nots in, in different businesses. You got the fans and the non-fans now, I feel like, in, in media. And yeah. I'm not talking about people that aren't full-time uh, sports media members. Right. I'm talking about how they discuss the team <laughs> and, and how they cover a team. And it, I think it's just becoming more and more clear, you know, how teams are covered locally uh, based on market, based on relationship with those teams. And I don't know that I love the way it's trending uh, in a lot of areas when it comes to both the Titans and the Predators. No, I'm. <laughs> that wasn't meant for a, a, a you know a broader discussion. That's just an observation I have. I think you're probably seeing some of it too. No, and it's that. So I type. Uh, you know, when I, when I'm trying to come up with topics for any of our podcasts, much like I'm sure you all do with Outkick, I kind of type out like a loose list of items that I've just thought about. As the week goes on, like I'll have Word open on my computer and I'll just type out thoughts as them. You know, some of them yeah. get brought up, some of them don't. One of them that that came up and that I typed out this week was that the longer I've done this and recording football and other words, the longer that I've been recording this podcast, I've become more de- desensitized of being a Titans fan. And, and and I guess let me clarify that. Like, I kind of don't want to tolerate and could care less people who are obsessed with Marcus Mariota. People who are obsessed with the fact that the Titans whiffed on Isaiah Wilson. People that absolutely lose their mind and, and can't handle the fact that they – didn't go to the Super Bowl. I guess I'm I'm losing my fandom a little yep. bit and becoming more of a fan of just the sport and the process. Does that make sense? Yes. And I don't know why, but maybe it's just that it a when I want to try to provide an objective opinion and not just be a diehard fanboy, it's it's kind of killed off the desire for me to be a hardcore Titans fan. I think anytime you get closer to something, you lose the uh, outside fandom love of that thing. I noticed this just early on in my career where I was a huge fan of all things sports. You know, and I'm a diehard fan of the Braves and the Tennessee Vols yeah. and the Titans and, and, the, and all this. And the closer you get to it, though, the less emotion you have tied to it. You right. can still love something and love the sport you're covering, but you're less childlike in your fandom. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like I know, you know, I know the people who are very young in media now who are still like children. When it comes to being a fan, and I was there, like when I was 23, 24, 25 years old, I, I was very similar, and I've lost it in everything but Tennessee football and basketball. I can, I can still be emotionally tied in to Tennessee Vols football and basketball, but that's even different because I'm watching Tennessee football games and I'm thinking, boy, this would be a great story, you know, or this is going to be something yeah. else and talk about. That. I'm still looking at it through a this is going to be fun to talk about on the show or this presents a problem that we can get into. And I'm never rooting against them, 
but that's the last bastion of any bit of emotion I have for a singular team. I still, you know, this, this weekend's a great example. I was so excited to watch the PGA Championship on Sunday and to watch the Preds on Sunday and to watch a little bit of NBA and to watch all that was happening on a spring, you know, early summer weekend. I'm not going to lose that. But I'm also not emotionally tied into the Preds. Right. I'm not emotionally tied into the Titans. I want the Titans to do well. I root for them, but it's, it's not emotion for me. So these, this thing, now we're getting back into what fans say to you and how you react to it, but this, you know, I can't believe that you would be talking about the team this way in this city or being a part of it. I'm like, I'm thinking, come on, what do you want? Do you want someone who's going to be a fan or someone who's going to be honest? And, I, you know, I listen to you guys, and I think you do a really good job of your fans – but you're also honest. Like there's, you need the honest, uh, bad reaction to things that happen. Yeah. Too, right. And I think that's that's smart. You can't be all positive. You can't be all negative. You know. You but when it's time to be really positive, and it's time to be really negative, you need to be both of those things. Yeah. And I think that we've lost that. I don't. I wouldn't say lost it. I'd say the majority of this market never had that. Yeah. Because it's very difficult for them to be honestly negative about something. Yeah, something I caught a lot of hell for last year towards the end of the season was I, I said on multiple podcasts, you need to be prepared for the fact that this Titans team is going to be one and done in the playoffs. I wasn't trying to be Nostradamus and be cute and trying to make a prediction. I was just trying to call it as I saw it as how in the how in God's holy name do you expect this defense to be able to produce, and what did they do? And and that was something I caught a lot of hell for because I'm just trying to tell you on my, and I hope it's an objective opinion, that there's no, this, <laughs> this isn't a fairy tale. They're not going to will themselves past a bad defense. At some point, your failures are going to catch up with you on one side of the ball, and it did. Yeah, and it's, it's, not, it's not going on a limb to say the Titans' defense of a year ago was awful. I mean, it was terrible, historically bad for the Titans in a number of areas and that it was eventually going to catch up to them. And you can still be happy with winning, right? You can still be happy with putting up a bunch of points and winning right. a game. Like I'm thinking about the game against the Texans, uh, for instance. You can be happy about those games, but when it's over and you enjoy the victory coming back and saying, boy, that was fun, but, you know, that secondary and the, the fact that they can't get to the quarterback on a pass rush – could come back to hurt this team. It's perfectly normal and fine to say both things. And uh, it's just, I feel like we're losing a little bit of that. And to take, so to take that point further, a tweet that I saw from Titans fans, and I see this in all fans' bases, not just Titans fans, but kind of centered around the Julio Jones discussion of, you know, I saw fans chirping back and forth with each other about, the Titans may not have the money or the structure to be able to get Julio Jones. And then someone commented, and it got retweeted a lot of, if you all are just complacent and happy with just making the playoffs and winning the AFC South, then that's fine. But I want AFC Championship wins. I want Super Bowl wins. And I'm thinking, who the hell doesn't? Exactly. I mean, come on. Of, of course that's what, uh, that's what everyone wants. I get in this with the Tennessee Vols fan base all the time. Well, you know, seven and five might be good in your world, but we win national damn championships here at Tennessee. And <laughs> – <laughs> uh, that's loser talk that you're th saying six and six is good at Tennessee. Look, every year is different. And the place you are in a fr as a franchise and a program is different every year. The Preds rallying from the basement to get to the playoffs and then have a competitive series against Carolina is good. That's a good outcome for the Preds based on where they were. If the Tennessee Vols go six and six this year and put up some damn points, 
That's a positive. That's not where you want to be in the end, but no. that's a positive. I think, of, yeah. I think of your alma mater, Ole Miss, a year ago. That was a positive. They had fun. They scored points. That's exactly what you wanted. They, right. weren't, they weren't world beaters, but they were able to go out and score points. I'm not talking beef O'Brady bullshit. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's like, mean, the, nobody's pleased with that, but it's, ulti- a, it's a better. Yeah, the ultimate goal is certainly to win a Super Bowl, something the, the Titans franchise has never done in the end. And it, it's obvious to say, well, yeah, you guys want – I want a Super Bowl. Well, you can have both. Right. You could be a consistent team for a five- to ten-year stretch and compete for division titles, You know, get to the playoffs pretty regularly. Maybe you're going to lose a couple years in a row in the first round. You know, the, We know how those things play out. But I, I think the, the key thing for the Titans, and this goes back to Julio Jones, and, and look, I am of the opinion that if it's within reason, you absolutely have to win this Julio Jones sweepstakes. Yes. Within reason, make it happen. I can't see it as anything but a loss for John Robinson if uh, the Patriots give up a second rounder and are able to take on that salary and, and get Julio Jones and the Titans couldn't make that happen because they can make that happen if they really want to make it happen. So I think they need to get Julio Jones. I think they need to go for broke as long as Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry, as long as they have this offense clicking the way they do because they have made some adjustments on defense where there's at least some room for hope. Hope that it's going to be better. Bud Dupree is an absolute upgrade for the pass rush. He is a really good football player. He is going to help this team. Are they where every Titans fan wants them to be on defense? No. But are they in a window now that's two to three years of being a team that could win the Super Bowl? Hell yes. So while you're doing that, you need to make sure that you're doing everything you can. And having Josh Reynolds as your number two receiver is not doing everything you can for this offense because that is a downgrade from Corey Davis. Julio Jones is an upgrade from Corey Davis. I don't think anyone would argue with anyone else about that. So that I'm fingers crossed. I'm hoping they can make something happen because it's going to be great uh, for all of us that cover that team, for all of us that talk about that team to get a player of the caliber of Julio Jones. Yeah, and I feel like and you know I try to be I try to not be a, a super fan when I say things like this, but I think that legitimately makes the Titans a, a considerable Super Bowl threat. It at least puts them in the realm of discussion of it. But you're exactly right. I mean, whether fans want to know it or admit it or see it, the Titans have about a two-year window to attempt to win a Super Bowl before things start to come apart, before you have to deal with the fact that Tannehill's going to keep aging, before you have to deal with the fact that as much as we love Derrick Henry, the, you know, the tread's going to start to come off those tires. There's going to be multiple issues that come up that the Titans are going to have to address. If you've got the chance to pull the trigger on someone like Julio and you can legitimately make it happen, you, you do it right now. And I also think that the Titans are on the verge of actually having a, an NFL identity. You know, the Steelers right. go back for the, to the 70s. They've had an identity. And that continues because they've had such longevity with their coaches, from Noel to Cower and now to Tomlin. The Baltimore Ravens didn't all – you know, they, they, when they moved, it's, it's not – you know, you, you create these things and you have a personality to where uh, the Ravens draft a player and we all say, boy, that's the perfect Raven. Well, that's the perfect Pittsburgh right, Steeler. Yeah. Najee Harris, perfect Pittsburgh Steeler. What a, what a Pittsburgh Steeler pick. I think the Titans are really on the verge because of Derrick Henry, and I think in part also because of John Robinson, to, get, to give him some credit. If you go and acquire a Julio Jones and make a move like that and you win a division again, you know, the Seahawks became a team, and they won a Super Bowl also and got to another one. But they became a team that you could look at it and see this is a Seahawk. This is an identity with them. I think yeah. the Titans could become that. 
they're not going to snap their fingers and become the Pittsburgh Steelers and have that identity for decades, but they're really close to capturing something where people say, boy, that's a, that's a Titans-type player. Right. Right? That's, and it's not just fan bullshit that, oh, this is a Titan. Right. This, the, it's a legitimate national, this is a Titan. This is right. a Titans-type move. This is a Titans-type player. I think they're really close to getting that and how cool that would be for this city. No, that's that's interesting for you to say because if you're trying to – and <laughs> we have gone off on a tangent that I actually am really enjoying because, you know, look at what what's your future past Tannehill. To me, if the identity you're trying to build is this kind of weird hybrid we're running the football right down your throat, but we also have wide receivers that are out there catching bombs, your next quarterback needs to be Ryan, Tell, Ryan Tannehill-esque. I mean, it needs to be someone who can – all of a sudden put up 500 yards and four TDs in a game and you're not blinking. And that's a Titans team that we've not really ever seen before. So if that's going to be your identity, hell yeah, pick that and run with it. But you're exactly right about how, like, I was sitting here trying to think through a list of teams that have an identity and who doesn't. What is a Carolina Panthers player? Yeah, a Jacksonville <laughs> Jack, right? I mean, the, the list goes on. Yeah. An Atlanta Falcon. Right. No, that's a great you know, example. You know, what does that mean? I think offensively for New Orleans, they have that, those players. You know, you see that that, that guy's going to be great in Sean Payton's offense. Or that guy's going to be great in Andy Reid's offense. And I think every team in the NFL has to be prepared to just win in a shootout, to outscore people. Like, you're, you're not with the times if you're an NFL franchise not considering, boy, we need a quarterback and an offense that can score a ton of points quickly and win in a shootout. I think everyone has to have that ability if you're going to win and get to the playoffs in the NFL. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, um, I think building around the quarterback for any team is smart, but the Titans have something really good on offense. We'll see. You know, we saw the drop-off from Dean Pease when he left. We'll see what the drop-off looks like after Arthur Smith left. But they've, they've got something they need to capitalize on in whatever window of time they have. So l- let, me, let me kind of wrap up the podcast on this topic. Um, the infamous, the now infamous, Shannon Sharp calling Julio Jones live on air, right? So um, Michael McCarthy of uh, Front Office Sports put out a really nice article today about um, the ramifications that may come out of this. Essentially, to where is Fox going to have to apologize on air? Does Shannon Sharp know that in California it's a two-party, you know, kind of both parties have to understand that this is an interview, you're live on air? I guess let me start with: Is what Shannon Sharp did greasy, crappy, yes. for, for lack of a better term? Yes. Now, are are we? So we're completely sure now that Julio Jones had no idea. Okay, let me let me assume. To me, there's still a great right. Area exactly. I saw. Um, Someone I follow is a legal analyst who said it's everyone's understanding that Julio Jones knew he was on air, even though he was on Shannon Sharp's phone. I, I can't answer that. Let me go on the assumption he did not, only because Shannon Sharp right, tried to shoehorn it in at the end of the video. Oh, we're live on air, Julio. Now, whether he told Julio beforehand, hey, I'm going to call you during our show, however that went down, we don't know. But let me go off the assumption that Julio did not know that Shannon was going to do this on air. I mean... That's a, I think that's a bad move. Yeah, it's awful. Look, it's uh, – I mean, this, we could talk journalism and everything. It's just not what you do to someone that you have their number in your phone. Yeah. <laughs> right? To, right. To anyone, like, and I'm saying that as any contact, like any friend you have, you want to give them a head – if it's a bit and you're pretending that, you know, they didn't know, that, that's one thing and that's right. fine and that's funny. I think of what Pat McAfee did where he was calling – former ESPN 
colleagues and putting them live on his podcast and saying, oh, I got you. You're on my show. You're not supposed to be. We've been banned, this and that. I mean, that was funny, <laughs> but he did have to apologize for it also <laughs> because it's kind of a dick thing to do. Yeah. So it's wrong. If Shannon Sharp, in fact, called Julio Jones, Julio Jones had no idea he was live on a show and put the speakerphone on and put him on air that way, that's wrong of Shannon Sharp, and he should apologize. But I don't hear Julio Jones complaining. It's almost like he did him a favor. I mean, if Julio Jones came out and said, look, that was a conversation with a friend, it's how I feel, but I didn't know I was on air, then Shannon Sharp has some explaining to do. But he hasn't said that yet, which leads me to believe that he knew he was on the show. Right. And it, in, in from, you know, the, the article that Michael put out, it, it seems like, at least according to his sources, obviously the Falcons are pretty pissed. And I'm wondering how pissed the NFL is going to be about this. The, one of the examples he cites in the article is um, when ESPN really went heavy on the uh, concussion stuff, really deep diving into concussions, they got a pretty bad slate of Monday night football games, which I was kind of not aware of, and it actually kind of makes sense to me because there was that period of time where I was thinking, what the hell happened to Monday night football? These are some ass matchups, and that kind of makes sense. So I'm curious if they would really kind of go after Fox that hard about that, and I guess that would kind of be – I guess that would be dictated by how pissed off the Falcons are about it. If they want to go to the league and say – Shannon Sharp has put us in a bad position. He's now thrown the Cowboys and the dumpster. We can't even discuss with them because yeah. Julio just went out and said, I'm never going to go play for them. By the way, I just now realized that Shannon Sharp is now my colleague. <laughs> Do I need to cut as this I, entire? As I say all this, like, we'll figure it out in post. I just love saying that we're going to figure it out in post. I've never done anything in post in my life. Everything I've done in a recording has just, that's what happens. And you just run it as is. Uh, there's no editing that I've ever done, which is funny to say we'll take care of in post. No, look, it's wrong of Shannon Sharp if that's the case. But keep in mind the Falcons immediately tweeted out. Julio Jones says in yes. interviews this. I, it, it sounds like they, it's almost they all wanted that out. The Falcons were okay with it. Julio Jones is okay with it, which I don't know why the Falcons would want that other than just to have confirmation that they're, shipping, that they're shopping him sure. everywhere. Like, well, he knows it too, and he's going to be gone, but – that doesn't help your leverage if you're them. Yeah, and maybe it was some it's, we- it's a weird story, but to, to the Goodell NFL question, I mean, the NFL can do whatever the hell they want. I mean, if they want to screw you over, they have all of the guns to do so. So, yeah, I mean, I think that could, uh, if the NFL was pissed off about it, you know, would not be a great thing for Fox and Shannon Sharp. But I'm also really not convinced that both sides didn't know exactly what they were doing based on the lack of Julio Jones having an issue with it publicly. I'm going to have to leave like eight seconds of dead air at the end of this podcast in case we have to cut that whole thing out. We should, we should uh, start the, the clock and see how long eight seconds sounds like on a broadcast <laughs> and then just start, start talking again. Just absolutely painful, like me starting the podcast, trying to adjust my volumes and realize, wow, you can't hear me at all on this damn microphone. Remember when Mr. Rogers just counted it, just sat there for a minute in silence? To show kids, little kids, how long a minute was and about patience. Oh, that was so great. All right, here we go. The clock starts right now. We're going to go eight seconds of silence. Just oh, my see what God. Happens. All right, ready? Here we go. All 
All right, eight seconds. Okay, we're good. I like. I had to bite my lip. I really no, didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, there's going to be someone listening to their car. Like, what happened? Oh, about my God. Skip Skillmore else? What's going on? <laughs> we're still here, people. We're still here. <laughs> we're still here. Um, we're still at Gumbo Brothers. We're still at Gumbo Brothers, which I'm, as soon as we're done recording, I'm not kidding, I'm about to go get all up in this seafood gumbo. I am a huge gumbo fan, and this is one thing that I've always... That's the sexiest that seafood gumbo's ever sounded, right? the way you said that. You're about to get all of that. Exactly. I'm going to have to do a little bit more of the sultry voice for that seafood gumbo. About to go get all up in <laughs> yes. that. They're going to have you cut a few spots for them before <laughs> you leave, in fact. Pour it on yourself. Well, but there it is. I just lost the sponsorship. So, I, I appreciate you doing this. It's been way too long since we've had you on Football and Other F-Words. It's been, fr- frankly, it's been entirely too long. No we, excuse, We need to actually. get Zach and Mike uh, in on the, the party next time also. <clears throat> oh, for sure. Are they, what are, they, are they on 30A? Are they living their salt life right now? What's <laughs> no. happening? Mike is, is this being, vacation time? Mike is being a relatively new father, even though you know he's had a child for, I guess, right at a year now. Zach is in the middle of moving. Um, moving in the middle of one of the craziest like real estate things I've ever seen So we're seen never happening. going to do it from his garage again. So, no, that unfortunately, garage done. the garage is done, although he, it sounds like he does have a better recording space up there, but um, sadly, the garage is done. This is how far we've come, is recording from Zach's weird... Uh, having guests in to walk in the garage was was a lot of fun. They're just like, am I in the right place? Yeah. What am I doing here? You got the bus, you know, for uh, Compton and, and Luan. <laughs> right. And you guys have the garage. We have the garage. And then you and I have Gumbo Brothers in a back room. <laughs> Somewhere with very interesting acoustics. It sounds like we're in a museum. Kind of looks like we're in a museum in here also. It, it does. That's look, how beautiful this place is. It does look like we're in a museum. Um, well, listen, this has been fun. Really appreciate um, you uh, coming on, as always. Football and other the efforts. Gumbo has just arrived. Look at that. I can smell it from over here. Thank Mother you. Mother of God, they literally did just bring us back two yes, bowls of did. gumbo. I'm about, to, yeah, I'm about to get wild with that. Uh, thank you to Gumbo Brothers. Thank you to uh, Chad with her. Chad, what do you want to plug before I uh, turn you loose? Um, I really want to talk about that Netflix show, Formula One Drive. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they've, yeah, they've in all seriousness, get up in that. That's a yeah, good show. It's, it's a great show. Uh, Mayor of Easttown, that's an also another show that I'm watching that I really enjoy on HBO. And uh, Outkick 360, if you're into uh, online viewing and listening, Outkick 360, we have our own YouTube channel now. Uh, just search Outkick 360 channel on YouTube. You can subscribe there. And we have a podcast uh, five days a week. 9 to 11, or excuse me, 11 to 1 Central Time we're on. So check us out if you feel so inclined. And thank you for having me on the pod. Absolutely. Anytime. Football and other efforts. Of course, we're brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Please come check us out. If you have been listening to this podcast, you've not checked out Broadway by this time. I really don't know what the hell to say to you anymore. Uh, come check us out. Uh, good, you know, thank you very much to Gumbo Brothers, who is just, again, they're still bringing food back here as I'm saying this. Looks like some kind of ridiculous po'boy they've just now sat down. But thank you to Gumbo Brothers, about to dive all up in this food. Um, thank you for tuning in. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. And you've just been effed.